Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast, where we tell the true stories of the vaccine injured that many don't want to hear. These are real people sharing real experiences, uncensored and unsanitized. Listen and learn with us as we tell the stories that have yet to be heard by those who've been discarded. No preaching, no propaganda, and no judgments, just the truth. Welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. I'm your host. My name is Jared St. Clair, and I've got another amazing guest for you today. I am really, uh, it's kind of interesting. I do a lot of these uh, interviews. In most cases, I don't know the individual before I interview them, and that's the case today. But I did get a little bit of a sneak peek into this uh, next guest's life uh, as he sent a trailer for a documentary uh, that uh, he did and that was done about his story. I haven't yet to see the documentary, but I did see the two-minute trailer. I found it quite inspirational and, and frankly, really, really well done. I thought it was actually fantastic. And now I'm intrigued because after that little two minutes and a couple of minutes talking to him before having him on the air, uh, I uh, have found that there is a lot here that I think will be very, very interesting to you. Of course, remember that the Dearly Discarded podcast is brought to you by React 19. You can find React 19 at react 19 Dot org. Uh, React 19 is also all over um, Instagram, Facebook. You can find them there as well. This is a group of volunteers who are injured uh, from the COVID vaccines, who are trying to help others who have been injured or the families of the bereaved. And uh, it's an organization that I have spent a lot of time with and around. I've spoken to dozens and dozens of the members of this organization, including the people who founded it. And they are some of the most genuine and um, excellent people that I've ever met in my life. I highly recommend that you get involved. If you're listening to this, you're interested in it, and it is a fantastic cause. But without further ado, I'd like to go ahead and welcome my next guest, Drew Outstanding in Field. Drew, welcome to the Dearly Discarded Podcast. Thank you, Jared. Thanks for thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, your reaching out and uh, allowing me to kind of tell my story and possibly help out anybody else that's suffering out there, especially veterans and uh, and children. Yeah, it's uh, unfortunately a big group of people that are struggling. And and one of the things that I actually really loved about your the, again just the two minutes that I saw in the documentary is that I think. I anticipate, and I'll certainly be watching this after we talk, the full documentary, that it would be inspiring to uh, many, many people of all ilks, regardless of, you know, what struggle they may be going through, whether it's vaccine injury or something else entirely. And uh, I, I am really excited to share that documentary with our listeners. In fact, if you are listening and you're curious about the documentary, it will be linked in the show description below uh, on whatever podcast app you're listening to or on the Rumble feed uh, for Dearly Discarded Podcast. So definitely check that out. Let's go ahead and get into just a little bit of the history here, Drew. Uh, you were diagnosed 
was something that I think is really interesting. I've known about this condition for years, um, and it is often uh, associated with vaccines, even prior to the COVID vaccines. It's, uh, I, in fact, I, my, uh, my sweetie's brother uh, was diagnosed with this, after, uh, and they thought it was from the flu shot. Uh, they originally, uh, that was the original diagnosis, but then they found out he hadn't had one. They don't know where he got it from. So it's a pretty mysterious thing, uh, this GBS. But I think most people have never even heard of it, don't know what it is. Has that been your experience? Yes, it's hit or miss. Uh, it's either somebody knows about it and they know the horrific uh, things that can be associated or they've never heard of it. And if you look it up on Google, GBS or Guillain-Barre syndrome, Gillian Barr is what some people call it as. Uh, it's been nicknamed the French polio. Mm -hmm. uh, it's it can be something as simple as tingling in the hands and, and and extremities. Or in my case, I got a severe version where I went into complete paralysis, uh, and then not only paralysis, but it was spreading from my to my heart, lungs, and brain. And they needed to get me into uh, emergency room. Uh, into the neuro neurological ICU, the NICU, and put me into an induced coma in, in order to do the treatments of IVIG and plasmapheresis. Uh, basically, that's taking out my blood, cleaning it up, and then putting it back in. And so it, it's I had a quite a severe version. I was at the VA hospital for six months and then uh, recovering from that and then also learned to walk again and uh, eat again. I couldn't, I, I had a, a tubes in everywhere, basically my body, a, a trach. And, uh, yeah, I couldn't even swallow my, my throat didn't know, uh, where to put water or food. So I, I had pneumonia and it, it was just uh, case after case. It, it was a very, I wouldn't, I, I kept saying this when I was in hospital, I wouldn't wish this on my worst enemy. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it is a really strange um, ailment uh, because there is such a wide range. It can be quite mild and it can be quite severe like yours. And, and based on what I know about it, and I'm no expert, but I've definitely talked to quite a few people that have dealt with this. Yours is about as extreme a case as I've heard of. Uh, pretty crazy stuff. So let's talk about um, the, the onset of that, uh, what, uh, what brought it on? When was it, uh, give us a little bit of that timeline. Sure. Um, Rom, I, I was in the national guard, the Minnesota army guard, uh, at the time previously I had done, uh, four years of active duty service. I uh, got done with that, went to college, got a degree in law enforcement and then decided to join the Minnesota national guard. So I spent another, uh, 14 years there. And then uh, basically everyone was saying, get this vaccine, um, get it. We have it earlier. I was getting daily emails from the VA saying, come over here. We got it. You don't have to wait in line. Uh, my unit, National Guard, was saying, go get it. We're, we, got a, we got a rostered list of who, who has and who hasn't. And I was in grad school for an MBA, which started off as in person and with the pandemic went to online. And then I got to the point where they were requiring the vaccine in order to stay in class or they you'd be removed from class while working remote or uh, going to school remotely. So I, I was going along with everything I've been told, just like all the shots that you get in basic training and the two deployments that I've been on. And I thought everything was fine. We can get this and get it over with. And then, and I was being pushed and coerced and nudged. James Lindsay talks about being nudged uh, to do this. 
And so I, I go to the VA and um, everything looks like a quarantine zone there. I get the vaccine in the, in the atrium of Pfizer. Uh, and it was, it was just a little strange. I was, I was like, I go, it was going through an assembly line. They said, wait for 15 minutes and then get out of here basically. And then I go home and the next day I get sick. Uh, and they, they said, you're probably going to get sick. Uh, to, to what extent? We don't know. And then a, a couple of days later, I get numbness, tingling in my hands and, and my toes. And, and then I'm like, all right, this is a little weird. Uh, but, you know, I, I felt bad before. So maybe it's nothing. And then uh, about a week goes by and then my muscles are getting weak. I, I'm not able to work out like I used to. I, I could barely lift uh, plates. And this is a time where I had a five-month-old son, and like I said, grad school, working full-time, and National Guard in the middle of this uh, pandemic that we had going on. And it's like, all right, this is just stress. I, I know how to suck it up and move on and get the mission done. And, and then finally, I'm like, I told my wife, and I'm like, I, I really don't feel well. I don't know what's happening. And then I, I go to sleep, and I wake up the next day completely... When I say paralyzed, I couldn't get out of bed. I had to yell to her and say, and I'm like, I need to go to the bathroom and I need to go to the hospital probably. And so she drags, she picks me up, puts me in a chair. It literally has to put her arms around, uh, around me, lean me up and using a chair to get to the restroom. I flop down on the toilet and then it's like, <laughs> we need to go, we need to get to the ER quickly. And so, and so we go there and I'm and this is the middle of finals week. And so I'm texting my, my, my boss, um, my clients, uh, that I'm sending proposals to my, uh, my, my teacher's professor saying, Hey, I'm, I don't know what's happening. I thought it was this, I thought I was getting COVID and it was going to be, it was going to be bad. I was kind of planning on that. And then I get there, they run every test they can, MRI, CAT scan, blood work. Um, everything you can think of. And they're like, everything came back negative or we, we can't see anything, but we're pretty sure it's Guillain-Barre syndrome, but we need to do a spinal tap in order to see that a lumbar puncture. And I'm like, is this, is this really happening to me? And so we do that. And, and it's, and, and once they saw that, once they had proof of, I don't know the exact details, spike proteins, something like that, the medical jargon uh, gets a little bit intense there, but they see it and they rush me to, uh, like I said, the neurological ICU and, and all these things and, and ER, and they just kind of go to work. And uh, I thought I was, I was done. I thought it was, it was my last days, my last hours. And, and how do we go about this? But, um, and then at that point I'm calling my family, I'm calling everybody say, I don't know what's going to happen, but this is where we're at. This is what the doctors are saying. And it was scary. You can't even imagine incredible experiences. So this was um, back in April of 21. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yep. April, May of 21. Okay. And so then, you know, you walked us through obviously the um, initial stages. Uh, at what point uh, did they put you into that medically induced coma? Yep. Around that May time. That was in May as well. So, so yep. basically once you had the diagnosis and they saw how bad off you were, they decided that was the best way to save you essentially. Is that accurate? Yep. Just like any show, ER, Grey's Anatomy, where it's, it's go time. It's, it's, um, you know, experts take the wheel. Yeah. Wow. And so you were in a coma for seven days? 
Yes. And um, what what happened after that? I wake up and I'm completely paralyzed. I they're telling me maybe this was before I went in the coma. They were telling me to move my sorry. This was after I, I came out of the coma. They tell me to move my toes, and I I tell them I am. I, uh, my neck is paralyzed, so I'm just laying, laying there staring at the ceiling and them and the doctors. And it was a revolving door of experts and, of different professions and asking so many questions. And they're telling me to, to wiggle my toes. And I was getting upset. I was I could barely talk at the time. So I'm like, I can't, you know, I'm barely moving my mouth. And I was getting frustrated. And then they show me a mirror of my toes and nothing's moving. And that's kind of when I broke <laughs> or that's the, one of the first times that I started to break. Cause I'm like, I thought you're, you fixed me, but it's like, no, they stopped the, however you want to put it, the Guillain-Barre from getting to my heart, lungs and brain, they stopped in its tracks, but now we have to deal with the, the damages and what what's happened. And so it, yeah, it, it was a stuff of nightmares. Right. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. So then you were now, you know, what is it now? You said uh, May of 21. So we're almost two years removed from that now. Um, yes. What what has life looked like since then? How long were you hospitalized? Because clearly you're not in the hospital today. And and what's kind of transpired since that, to that point? Yep. Um, after I came out of the coma, uh, I was slowly getting back there, hoping I was going to recover faster. I was doing different swallow studies because uh, the speech therapist, occupational therapist, physical therapist, all these different things. And I, I guess I wasn't, I couldn't tell who was being honest with me and who was just kind of sugarcoating things. And so they're like, you either need to go into physical therapy, which I wasn't able to do. It was so severe or this like long-term care unit, this LTAC. Uh, type thing. And they all didn't recommend that because I would just sit in a bed and look a vegetable, basically. And so finally, I, and this was a hospital in Minneapolis. And then so finally, I'm like, well, I don't know much about the VA other than I went there to get the, the shot. And then so it's like, can I go to the VA? And they call them up. And, and this is a point when every hospital was like pretty full to its capacity. And so they called them up and I was able to go in. I had to do a quarantine for two weeks or get a COVID test, do a quarantine for two weeks, go there, uh, do a quarantine from everybody for two weeks. So basically a month goes by where I can finally see my, my wife. Um, I, I still wasn't able to see my son. Uh, he couldn't come to the hospital. Uh, but yeah, I get to the, the VA hospital and, and it was great. Like they, they, they were all there because they wanted to help veterans and, and Minnesota is known for good healthcare. And so that felt good. I had good people that were helping me, but nobody wanted to discuss where this came from. They did tell me I was allergic now to vaccines. I'm not allowed to have any vaccines. So in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'm allergic to that now, but we can't talk about that. I got this as soon as I got this vaccine, the Pfizer two doses uh, from the VA <laughs> down the hall from where I was staying uh, that uh, nobody wanted to connect those dots. And I could see in, in the, their eyes, some people were, were, were full in, into it saying, no, this is fine. Nothing to see here. You know, we'll take care of you, but we're, we're not going to, it, it couldn't have been from this. They didn't say that, but they, they were in, in lockstep. And then other ones, you, I could see it in their eyes where it's like, all right, this is weird. This series of events 
doesn't add up, but they couldn't talk about it. I'm, I'm guessing they didn't want to put their licenses on the line, their, their job, their benefits, their pension, whatever motivation that they had for that. But, and so I just, I stayed quiet for the last like year and a half. It wasn't until around October, November of, of 2022 that I'm like, okay, I'm sick of being in these four walls. It feels like a prison. I'm told to be quiet, not ask questions and, and just figure it out. And, and also I was released from the military at the same time that this happened too. So, which if veterans military out there, you know, that, uh, that's a tough, uh, transition process coming from a service to civilian. And so I, I went through that along with this medical illness and trying to raise a infant to toddler son as well. So the, the last two years have, like I said, been the stuff of nightmares, but I am, I'm optimistic type of guy, but I need to have a plan, look at what mistakes happened in the past and how do we do this differently? Because I'm, I was running Spartan races and half marathons and military field operations. And yeah, I was a, a staff sergeant in, in the military. Uh, I, I worked on a management and sales career for 15 years, was at the top of my game and going to grad school and all that just stopped in an instant. And now I'm trying to basically put my life back together. Like it's a, a puzzle without any, without a picture on it. Yeah. It's a, as drastic a change as you can imagine. So the, the you, you said a couple things there that I, I definitely don't want to gloss over. Uh, one is that they, they told you that at this point, no more vaccinations. There was an, you know, quote unquote allergy. Um, but then did anybody actually state on the record at all, or even not on the record, that they believed that the Pfizer mRNA vaccines were the cause of this? Nope, nobody. There, were, there was one shining light uh, doctor, a specialty person at the VA that gave me um, the ability to be optimistic because this person said, hey, this seems weird. Uh, they have you listed as allergic vaccines and that you got Guillain-Barre from the flu shot. Or they, she said influenza because uh, they didn't have a lot of notes in there. But she says, this is in your record. And I'm like, I've never had influenza. I haven't had the flu shot in years and especially not around uh, this point. And I did have the Pfizer times two vaccine, you know, two weeks apart. And, uh, and, and so that led me believe there's something weird going on. I need more answers and I need support in some kind of way. Cause I'm, I'm doing this on my own pretty much. And, uh, and, and yeah, I have cognitive call it limitations. Uh, technology is a little tough. I can already tell with this video, my face is starting to, to kind of swell up uh, with it, but it's, it's worth it. Like I said, I went on a trip uh, and I got to get out and do things, especially help out other either military members, veterans that are suffering in this or a similar way. I've heard from many people online, the symptoms, similar symptoms to what I have, the, uh, the cognition stuff, the neuropathy. Uh, when I say neuropathy and I came out of paralysis in certain ways, it turned into the most electrifying nerve pain that you can think of. Um, think of it like your most extreme sunburn. Um, and how painful that was. And it's, it's worse than that. And it's all the time. Uh, yeah, the, the limited amount of strength, uh, I fall all the time, because I try to walk, I try to, 
use use these. I often need these devices of AFOs, ankle photoorthotics, uh, cane. I'm pretty much attached to my cane. At this point, I don't care what people think about about my looks or or abilities. I just want to to live and, and uh, do well. But yeah, I found some some shining lights, some stars uh, of people that are supporting like like you, uh, people in in the media, in in legal and, and medical that have good values and, and know that something doesn't seem right over the last couple of years. So then you said something else that I thought was interesting. Uh, you, you said that uh, you, you know, kind of kept to yourself, kept quiet up to a certain point. I think you said October of last year, you decided that you wanted to change that. What sparked that change and, and what have you done since to try to uh, um, get a message out to people? Yeah. I mean, first it was my physical limitations. I, I was laying in bed, laying on the couch, watching streaming stuff. And, and keep in mind, I was, uh, I, I was this weight when I went in about, about 170 pounds. And, and when I came out of the coma, I had lost 40 pounds. So wow. I don't know what percentage of my body that would have been, but I was down to 130 and just skin and bones weak. I just sleeping all the time. And and they kept keep handing me medications that either enhance these symptoms or cause new ones. And not to mention the, the tiredness and, and, and all that. So it's like, I, I just got to a breaking point um, where it's like, I, I need to find more natural things to do in this and, and ask more questions about things I'm um, being told to put in, into my body. And, and so it's like, and, and then I, I'm hearing more stories similar to mine. Um, some Guillain-Barre, there, there's a more, and I may have this too, this CIDP, um, it's, it's a more chronic version. Um, you, uh, you may know about that and other people do too. I'm, I'm connected with a few more people that have this and, and they're receiving IVIG, uh, this blood treatment once a month. And it's, yeah, I, I'm just looking for more answers and not even for me, but when it, Okay, what really did it was when they started opening up the vaccine and pushing it on children that are six months old and requiring for the military. So when it started happening, my brothers and sisters in the military and children, and I have a, a toddler now, he, he was an infant at the time. And I'm like, no, like, let's, can we, can we hold a minute and, and look more into this? I'm not for or against anything, uh, but let's, let's do more research and, and look at what could have been harmed and how people are, are doing this and maybe put on the brakes or, or at least hear people out. And I, I, I don't feel, I was hoping a lot of stuff would get resolved um, over the last two years uh, since the rollout and it hasn't or, or not in, in the, in the form that maybe it should. So I'm here to do my part. I don't know what I can do. Uh, but yeah, I've, I've launched a, my, my own business, Savage Wealth Academy to help people to kind of grow their, grow their wealth, whatever that may be, whether it be starting a podcast or a, a, a film, uh, their own film camera, uh, type stuff or, or whatever that may be. Cause it, the more we are able to do our own things and learn skills uh, and help people, I, I feel like that's a better way uh, of doing it. So I, I'm, I'm here to kind of teach that and connect with anybody who wants to work with me and we can all kind of work together to, to help out others that are, are suffering in, in any of these kind of ways. I call it, I call it COVID and COVID related accessories, kind of the king of the hill 
uh, <laughs> reference. So people have been damaged, I guess, in the last three years um, and just give them hope and, and a purpose. I love that. That's great. And and a King of the Hill reference is always welcome with me. So uh, so the, the, at, at, a, at a point in time, my, my experience has been as someone who's who, um, you know, didn't receive the vaccine and has since talked to so many people who've been harmed by it. Um, I was on the, I guess, the uh, outside looking in, uh, worrying about this possible issue, um, w very concerned that we didn't know what we were getting into with this mass rollout of these experimental vaccines and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where my background is and where I, what I was looking at. And since I've talked to so many people that have been injured, one of the things that I found, and I'm really curious if this is the case in your case, was that most of them, if, if not all, uh, thought that they were the one in a million, that you know this wasn't happening much at all. I was super unlucky. And then all of a sudden, it seems they would see somebody else online and another person online, or they would, would receive a, a letter or an email or something like that from other people who were harmed and then started opening up that, oh, wait a minute, maybe I'm not alone. Maybe there are lots of people in my shoes. Is that kind of how it looked with you? Or, or, or when did you yeah. discover that this wasn't maybe as rare as maybe, maybe people think it is? Yep. Uh, and I listened to all sides and I, I like to take in information and, and, and hear things out and, and it slowly started to be more. And then when I hear people are getting censored uh, on, on certain platforms, uh, you can't say certain words or you can't upload videos that contain stuff. I'm like, all right, more things are starting to feel weird that we can't do this stuff or you can only talk in a certain way or talk in code uh, about these. So it's like, okay, what what is going on here? So, Drew, one of the things that I have experienced talking to so many people who have um, been injured uh, over the last couple of years with these vaccines is that initially, it seems most of them thought that they were the the exception to the rule, uh, the one in a million you know, type of thing that we hear about, because we heard safe and effective over and over again. Everybody was under, at least I think most of the people that, that uh, ended up taking the shot were under the impression that if there was going to be a side effect, it would be a very, very rare side effect. And I think in most cases, people thought it would also be a very, very mild side effect. Um, when did you discover that you weren't the one in a million, that there are other people and and frankly, a lot of them dealing with similar type issues? Yeah. At, at first, there was the physical limitations. I, I, I couldn't um, type or even, even be online in any kind of way. And, and friends weren't calling as much. I lost a lot of connection to my military friends because being out of service, you're just not in the mix anymore. And a lot of people said they wanted to give me space. And that's kind of the opposite of what I wanted. I wanted to have community, talk to people and, uh, and, and kind of see what's going on. And, and once I was able to use my, my fingers again, I was able to get online and, and listen to, to audio files, uh, to videos, to people like, like James Lindsay, who's been doing amazing work in, in this stuff and been hearing people like, right, like Robert Malone, Dr. Robert Malone and, um, other people. And, and then that, just seeing those and seeing people write comments about this and saying, yeah, Hey, I'm, I'm experiencing these similar symptoms too: the neuropathy, the, the burning feeling that uh, on the skin, the, the, the tingling, the not be able to walk. Uh, so yeah, I'm like, okay, these are 
starting to sound similar. There's something going on. I, I, I would like to know more. I'm not here to do any big protests or, or scream and shout, but I just want to have conversations and see see if I'm not alone. And it sounds like I'm not. And there's a lot of other people. I've been hearing more people with Guillain-Barre um, from after receiving uh, vaccines. <laughs> Even being able to say those words just feels like <laughs> like like blasphemy uh, to to the the mainstream and uh, the the norm or the narrative because. Uh, because like I said, people have been uh, silenced or not be able to say things. I, I was banned off even after Elon took over in like November uh, on Twitter. I was I started to share my story and then I got banned for no reason. And I'm like, what's going on? Did I do something bad? And they said, no, after looking into it, you're just fine. Your account is back. Yeah, I started off doing the documentary because I wanted to see what happened in a timeline, in a just being that military mindset of, of planning. And we do after action reports, after action review, AAR, where most people know about that, and see what what was supposed to happen, what actually happened, what went well, what could we done better in the future. And so I, I ask a local videographer saying, Hey, I'm trying to launch my business and help people. Uh, could you, do you want to look at what my first 12 months of, of Guillaume Bray look like? And he said, yeah, I, I handed over all my pictures and videos that my wife and other friends took of me while I was in the hospital. And he interviewed me for about four hours. We thought it was just going to be an hour, but we just went on and on and on. And he turned that four or five hours of footage into a 30 minute documentary, uh, Paralysis to, to Prosperity. And it's more of a goal. I, mean, I don't feel very prosperous right now, but uh, that's kind of where I want to get to and help out and help out anybody else who's experiencing similar symptoms or, or has had Guillain-Barre syndrome and let you know that you're not alone. And um, it might not have to be this way if we just kind of ask more questions uh, before getting wrapped up into emergency situations and taking whatever's uh, being given to us. All right. Well, I appreciate that. And I appreciate your time. I know you've, uh, you've been a busy man lately with travel and which has got to be incredibly fatiguing for you. I appreciate you taking the time to share your message here. I'm going to let you go. But for me, I will say thank you for not keeping your mouth shut. Thank you for getting out in the public eye as much as you can and letting people know that these things are real, uh, that they do happen and that they are happening and that we do need to be a lot more aware uh, than maybe we are as a as a public. I appreciate your willingness to throw a positive spin on an incredibly challenging time in your life. Um, there's so much value in that, and I honor you for doing that. Thank you so much for joining me, Drew, on the Dearly Discarded podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Dearly Discarded podcast. We encourage you to help break through the silence and share this episode with your friends and family. It's time for these stories to not only be told, but to be heard. For more information, head to react19.org and dearlydiscardedpod.com. The Dearly Discarded Podcast is produced by Jared St. Clair and Michaela Hyde with support from React 19. We'll be back next week with another true story from one who lives it. Until then, join us on Team Humanity. Keep an open mind seek the truth, and share these stories. Most of all, open your mouth. Silence won't change anything. 
React 19 needs your support. We're a grassroots nonprofit created by the COVID vaccine injured for the COVID vaccine injured. React 19 provides physical support through scientific research and physician referrals, financial support to those most in need for uncovered medical expenses, and emotional support by growing a community that's focused on compassionate advocacy, hope, fellowship, and improving lives. We can only do these things with your support. Your donation is tax deductible and any amount is greatly appreciated. You can also sign up for automatic monthly donations. The vaccine injured have been marginalized, censored, and discarded, but they have not been broken. Help them rise to the challenge today. Visit react19.org for more information or simply text the word REACT to 50155 and donate via text. 